Wow. A uh, little Coffin Cats. A little rockabilly action going on. That was uh, the Coffin Cats. Chainsaw Massacre off the Inhumane album. And uh, we're going to say hello to all you guys. And welcome to another episode of the Dented Can Show. I am your host, Dave. And you're probably wondering where my partner is. Good old John. Well, I am trying to uh, get him on as a surprise guest. I was looking at uh, the Instagram page and um, a lot of the food that we've been eating, um, which has spurred up tons of conversation. And he is just given me so much information that I kind of want to pick his brain. So let's see if we can't get him on the phone. Maybe. Let's pray. His phone drinks more than we do. Hey, your phone's working, huh? Are, are you drinking? I'm having a rum and a Monte Cristo number two from Cuba, one of my last. Excellent. Well, guess what? What? You are the surprise guest on the Dentic Can Show today. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, I was just explaining that I have learned so much about food from you. That uh, we're going to talk about, well, I'm just going to kind of probe and, and, and see, where, see where it goes. So, my first question to my, probably one of my best friends, one of my best friends, definitely, is uh, what, what got you so passionate about food? memories of food um, one of the like big ones for me was um, the. so my mom was a caterer not so much as I was growing up but as my brother and sister were growing up um, so they're a little bit older um, a few years basically um, and basically my mom would always make uh, chicken fingers from scratch right and one of the funniest things was People would come over to my house and say, oh, my God, Ma, you know, <laughs> at John's house, the chicken fingers are so much better. Right? So it was this yeah. weird, like, kind of curiosity thing of, like, all right, seriously, chicken fingers are chicken fingers, right? You Because know, when you're a kid, you don't really necessarily think about those things. But um, actually, no, they are that much better if you actually make them from scratch. So, um, you know, just being around someone who cooks all the time. And then... Um, I would say one of my other food memories, if I had to like pick one, um, my aunt, uh, unfortunately, she passed this year uh, due to a uh, rare disease, but um, making pasta with her and like seeing the benefit of actually making something from its origin. You know, I mean, not everything is great from 
from its origin. Some things are actually better from a factory. I mean, like, I'm going to sound a little anti-foodie here, but uh, Annie's and Kraft Mac and Cheese kind of make mac and cheese better than you and I can. <laughs> hmm. So. All right. Well, that's really cool. Now, uh... Our time's hanging out. We've uh, we've broken out the grill a lot, a lot. Oh yeah. Um. And you know, when most people think about grilling, you know, they think of the South, maybe even St. Louis. But you bring up a lot of South American stuff, and um, why don't you, you know, like you would think, just you know, meat, coals, fire. It's all kind of the same, but it really isn't. Um, you want to explain, you know, could you, could you help us figure that out? Yeah, so, uh, I always used to joke that someday I would start a restaurant called, uh, Asado de Corazon, which, uh, in Spanish would translate to literally, like, the heart of grilling, um, which is kind of funny because, um, for me, I actually, uh, for those of you that don't know, I was a few years actually a butcher, a classically trained butcher. So everything from breaking heads and actually, you know, everything but skinning and slaughtering the beef itself, uh, I've kind of had the experience of. So I would argue that, like, I'm not, and I would never define myself as a professional chef because I didn't directly go to culinary school. I just had a lot of that influence in my background. Um, but I worked with a lot of uh, South American cultures and had really the benefit of that kind of um, confluence and that style to grilling. And depending on who you talk to, for example, in you know Argentina, Uruguay, Brazil, etc., a lot of these countries, even Paraguay, actually, which really fun fact about Paraguay, it's one of the only countries in South America that kept its indigenous language. Huh. That's pretty neat. Um, also is home to different styles of wood. So it's a lot of the reason why, um, depending on who you ask, for example, if you use like Francis Malman as a model, certain people will tell you that putting a hatch or a mark on the steak itself, when you cook a steak, for example, even by live fire, putting a cross hatch, we like that sear mark in America, depending mm-hmm. on who you talk to in South America, that is like a faux pas. They're, they're, they're tempted to be like, hey, asshole, get the fuck off the grill. You're fucking it up, you know? <laughs> wow. Huh. Well, I better not grill down there ever, because... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that that's really interesting. Um, Now, you've mentioned a lot about Australia. What was it like over there? And what, what were you kind of doing over there? Yeah, so in uh, 2005, I actually was visiting my brother. And then uh, I actually, up until a few years back, was working for an Australian company selling a uh, breed of beef that uh, is known as uh, Wagyu. Um, if you go into really technical notes, and again, like, I get <laughs> in a little... Uh, funny about some of the food topics because you know when we were talking about uh the thing that i talked about with the whole experience piece which is kind of the idea of i want everyone to feel like they're eating caviar even if they're not buying you know 12 
$120 an ounce, etc. Right, right, right. I remember that. Um, because it's all experience-based. But yeah, uh, I used to sell Wagyu, Angus, and a product called Abalone, which, for those of you that are not familiar, Abalone is somewhere between uh, like a scallop and an oyster, almost, in flavor profile. Really, really excellent. If you guys ever get the chance to, to try it, however... I'm going to caution you guys on this one, and this is kind of my own little, maybe I'm sounding a little preachy, but they are technically an endangered species when they're not farmed, so be very careful where you get them from, but if you can get your hands on abalone, it's really exciting to eat and cook, Um, you know, definitely consult a professional seafood monger or um, chef if you can, uh, as far as cooking and enjoying it it's really an excellent excellent uh product it's kind of one of those great things from the sea i mean i know dave you actually have quite a bit of experience with oysters man yeah yeah um it's funny you bring up the the abalone i'm i'm staring at an abalone shell that was gifted to me by a a native american up in from vermont uh probably 12 or 15 years ago that they used uh while smudging with sage during, uh, like, uh, Indian powwows and ceremonies. So it's kind of, kind of neat that, that we, uh, brought that up. But yeah, um, yeah, I was, uh, I did, uh, some clamming, some oystering, lobstering, um, tuna for a little while. But, um, yeah, I can, I can definitely relate to, um, you know, and I definitely do know that the abalone is... It, it, you could pretty much throw it on the endangered species list. Um, but it does taste good. Oh, absolutely. I mean, listen, <laughs> I love shark, but I mean... I, I also, I mean, unfortunately, my ass is eating lion, and I still feel guilty to this day about that one. So, I mean... Yeah. You know... That's a whole other question. Maybe that's a whole other podcast in itself. I mean, what's the most fucked up thing you feel guilty about having eaten, right? Uh, well, you know, it it's funny you bring that up because I, I dated a girl that, you know, she couldn't stand the fact that I ate rabbit. And I'd be like, listen, if it's in the store, it's already, you know, we already did the bad thing. You know, you might as well enjoy it so it didn't die in vain. So, I mean, I, I guess that's one way to look at it. I don't mean to offend anybody because I know there's a lot of people that, you know, when it comes to eating and animals, they get a little, little, you know, touchy. So we try to. Ah, uh, listen, I, I have friends that are vegan and I always tease them. Between the two of us, we have a balanced diet. <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, I mean. What what would you tell people if they were interested in getting into uh, like say being a butcher? Um, it's kind of a I mean it it's kind I I to me it seems like a craft that we would you, you would want to kind of save like the blacksmith or the you know the 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 knife sharpener guy. I mean maybe I sound weird, but you know I mean I I think I'd rather go to like. You know the 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 corner butcher, and 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 get my my you know my food. Then you know from the a massive commercial store. 
Maybe I'm old so, school. Maybe I watched too much Leave It to Beaver. So there's new school and there's old school when it comes to the butchery, right? And, like, unfortunately, it brings up this whole thing, right? We're both a dying and growing thing in and of itself. And if I had to describe it in a word, it's... I don't know, I mean, like, at times, and this is why, like, I jokingly laugh that I'm retired and all this, but at times it feels like a gorilla pulling on both on both ends of your innards <laughs> uh, to be in the industry because there's one facet of the industry that actually goes and sources their meat directly so they can tell you about the farm, the breed of cows, the amount of time that the actual sides of beef. Um, so this is a little fun fact for you folks uh, out there in uh, podcast land, so to speak. Um <laughs> Cattle in the United States is hung for at minimum two weeks. Now, in a lot of countries in South America, for example, and this will explain uh, some things for you guys. Now, there's two key sauces, depending on what countries you're in, that are really important to know about. Uh, Salmuera. Now, Salmuera is actually applied while grilling your meat, and one of the reasons why it's applied while grilling your meat is to keep the moisture contact and the big difference with a lot of the meats around the globe and particularly in South America is when they actually process an animal and process is basically our very politically correct term for we went and killed this animal. Now, there are two different methods fundamentally to how we process an animal. One is to use slit its throat, that's the kosher and wall method, and then let it bleed out. The other method is to actually use a stun gun or from a distance shoot it with a uh, decent caliber uh, rifle or pistol or some type of captive bolt device in a penned environment. Now, basically that's the same across the board for cows, pigs. Kind of like that um, pneumatic thing that the guy used in No Country for Old Men. Yeah, exactly. Actually, that is a cattle gun. <laughs> that actually is a cattle gun. <laughs> I forget what model it is. I should know, but... <laughs> Because <laughs> um, I was eventually on my way to both uh, slaughter training as well as uh, charcuterie training. But um, one of the, the key components of this is like that process time controls the minerality of the actual protein. And the minerality of protein is part of the way that we digest things. So when people talk about things like, for example, if you go around the world, like if you go to Bermuda, right? You can't necessarily drink the water right out of the tap in Bermuda. No rebuke on Bermuda. Love Bermuda. It's one of my favorite uh, Commonwealth countries and islands to visit. It's an excellent place. As a matter of fact, the bacon that I make uses Gosling's rum, so big shout-out to Gosling's. Big shout-out to John for making the bacon because it's fantastic. <laughs> um, but, yeah, having, having said that, yeah... Um, our guts aren't always conditioned to certain things, so that was kind of like my my very uh, brief sort of ad lib to that. But yeah, it's it's part of the process times and a lot of those little um, little details, but actually are major details in a weird way. Hmm. Wow, interesting. Yeah. See, I learn something every time, and this this is kind of. You know, this is what the can's about, is, you know, it's learning and experiencing new things, and, 
you know, you get to look at things in a different way, you know, for better, for worse, you know, that's life, you know, and, uh, you know, our food's got to come from somewhere, so, you know, for us meat eaters, you know, um, so, well, I I, I hate to define it in terms of a genre, but I, I kind of would argue that you know, the whole slaughter end of it, you know, I always tell people, they're like, oh, well, thankfully there's bushers or whatever. I'm like, no, no, no. Thankfully there's slaughter men. That's the much heavier end of it. I mean, that, that's the death metal. That's the original. That's the, that's the, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to describe music in any other con- context, but maybe that's like the original tune, the original, you know, that's the, the ohm sound. And then we, we got deeper and, and, you know what I mean? They're kind of the origin story for Sure. All. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know what? We'll just have to have our buddy Tommy listen to this, and then uh, he'll give us the metal, the metal review on it. Because, <laughs> uh, but it definitely is, you know, pretty, pretty fucking rock and roll to me. You know, because it's not just, you know killing something and cutting it up there's 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 an educated science to how and how it's done and you know when it's done and i think you know it it, it, i think it's good that that we know this so that you know we can maybe be a little more grateful for our food you know because you know let's face it in america a lot of times we just kind of take for granted oh yeah that cheeseburger that you know whatever that chicken it's funny you mention that right so like I always used to say that both ground beef and sausage and like my particular I always argued that my particular art form as a butcher like if I could describe myself artistically as a butcher was always more in terms of either sausage or being able to express a global context for what we were doing so like for example there's this cut called matambre which in the united states i would say outside of like maybe miami or various communities that are you know largely south american maybe some places uh to keep this in a connecticut context maybe some places in bridgeport um might know about this but uh, matambre which is the outside bell muscle of a cow so when you actually skin the cow or uh, I mean even take Macania for example like one of the things that sort of started to excite me towards the end of my direction as a butcher was the idea that people were getting more globally influenced yeah uh, you know so it wasn't yeah. it, like people would come in uh, and ask me like hey can they get Macania and it wasn't I hate to say it in this this way, but like it wasn't who I thought would ask me already. You know what I mean? Like, right. if somebody from Brazil asks me for a picanha, I'm like, okay, cool, no shit. Like I expected you to, right? You know. Well, I get you know that's I you know I now know to ask for it because you know what? After watching you cook it, I want to try it. I know that, and I think that's 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 something that's great about food. Is that it? It's you know you can kind of watch people do it and kind of study it and then give it a try for yourself. So it's not something that's totally out of reach, like 
you know, painting a Mona Lisa or something, you know? Absolutely. I mean, there are like, there are a number of cuts that, I mean, for example, and, and I'll, I'll give you a like really funny thing that kind of started to inspire me just as a, uh, as a butcher, but also as like, and I, I strain to call myself anything more than a home cook just because like a lot of the way I approach things is much more simple than somebody who's making, you know, one of the mother sauces or any of that stuff. And like, yes, there's a lot of French influence in my background, but like, I don't think I could ever sit through another eight hour class in my life. Yeah. My ADHD would just get the better of me. (laughs) 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 I'm just being very real about that, but no, um, for, for what it's worth, like, um, you know, the flat iron, for example, and I'm sure a lot of you guys have actually seen a flat iron in your grocery store. That cut actually that whole area, uh, for example, in Australia, it's called the oyster blade, but, um, that whole situation was just never even really thought of as anything other than like, Oh, well, if we cut it across, it wasn't until the 80s that they figured out if they cut that thin and took out the actual silver skin feather blade as they shaved it more thinly and actually used it as a charcoal steak, that it could be an entirely different thing. Huh. Still evolving. Yeah. So, like, literally, I mean, and you think about it, right? I mean, I would argue butchery is maybe, like, a few thousand years old as a profession. Right, I, I could see that. Which is funny to have the linkage and all, and I mean, like, my particular specialties were opal and sausage, so, <laughs> I mean, like, all, all the stuff that people will genuinely just be like, ah, I don't know, and it's like, listen, try new stuff, be open to things, especially, I mean, one of my favorite sausages, I don't know, Dave, do you have a favorite sausage? Oh, I you know I'm gonna be completely honest. I've never really thought about it because you put sausage in front of me, and I just kind of tend to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I'm a very large, round man. So you know, my appetite is not picky. Um, but I've had I've had like blood sausage. I've had, uh, you know, turkey sausage, chicken sausage. I've had, you know, a variety. Uh, you know, that's, you know, really just kind of readily available. Um, and then what I think it's called, I don't, I don't necessarily know if you call it a sausage, but uh, I, the, the horka, horky, it's like a meat mixture with the, with the rice in the intestine tube. Stuffed in a tube, it's sausage. Even if it's not, I mean, like, <laughs> technically, yeah, I mean, it was Hungarian. It's like Hungarian, or yeah, I think it's Hungarian. It was really good. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I always used to joke that sausage was the best meat Play-Doh type item. Which, <laughs> again, that's like sick butcher humor with a lot of people, but like, um. I don't know, dude. It was this really cool blank slate. You know, you took 
The only one I hate to this day, and I swear to God I will actually lose my shit if somebody asks me to do it sometimes, is um, lamb casings because they're so thin. <laughs> I'll make you merguez any day of the week, but do not ask me to fit 100 pounds of meat through a fucking pencil. <laughs> I'm just saying. I know that's gonna sound phallic and dirty, and that's what? where we're at. But oh. listen, listen, you're not you're not asking me to slam hundreds of pounds of meat down a pencil. It just isn't what what's gonna work. Right, right. Well, um, on that note, yeah, I think I need to get a beer <laughs> and uh, figure out what kind of meat product I'm gonna go eat. But. uh <laughs> I, I appreciate you uh, letting me pick your brain and, uh, you know, kind of letting everybody get to know a little bit more about you in depth and uh, just kind of keeping this a little bit fresh and a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. I mean, I think that's like, that's one of the biggest things. I mean, like, I mean, I, I hope we can expose people to as many different things as possible. I mean, Listen, I didn't know what certain beats were. I didn't realize how core the piano is, even to rock and roll, uh, until we talked to some of our friends. I mean, we were talking about different beats, different notes. I mean, like, different flavors. I mean, innovation is happening all around us. There's creative, amazing things. I mean, and I get, like, the world gets dark sometimes. And, um, you know, in general, I, I just, I really hope overall that the Denticant is a place where people can listen, get some enlightenment, get something where they're like, wow, you know what? Like, I learned some cool new fact. I gained something out of this. And then it was, I don't know, something positive in your day because, I don't know, I mean, my motto has always been, turn off the fucking news, go meet your neighbors, go experience something. Yeah, put the goddamn phone down. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, (laughs) so... All right. Well, you know, um, I, I have a feeling that you're going to get me back for this, but you know what? That's cool in my book. <laughs> but uh, all right. Uh, thank you for your time. 